Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. Today's Bible reading is from 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 4, 20, 16 to 17. After the reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 4, 20, 16 to 17. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. So David made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as himself. This is the word of the Lord. I should have sorted that out uh, before I got up here. What is this calendar doing here? Good morning, everyone. And good morning to those watching on the screen. Let me first say that I am very happy to be back. I'm very happy to be back. I want to, some of us don't know a little bit of what happened, but my wife and I sadly went down with COVID. And, um, um, But thank, thank you all for praying. Thank you all for the messages. Thank you all for the well wishes. I am so, so glad to be back. All right. And, and I say that I'm not the only one that's recovered. There are one or two other people on staff. Actually, two or three, three, two or three other people on staff that recovered as well. So let's continue to take this very seriously. I'm happy all of us are masked up and um, um, respecting the protocols that we put in place. And I'm actually very excited about the series that we're about to start. As uh, Taiwo said, it's about friendship. We called it, um, do you have a friend? Do you? And it's a question. Do you have a friend? You see, because friendship is essential. It's essential for what it means to be human. Essential for what it means to be human. You cannot flourish. You cannot become the person God truly wants you to be. I can tell you that straight away without having friends at various levels. You know, when God said in Genesis 2, verse 16, that uh, Genesis 2, uh, verse 18, that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. Now, what happened is that that resulted in a marriage. But actually, God was making a broader statement that human beings should not be bereft of other human relationships. One of them is marriage, but it wasn't the only thing. And the reason that God said that is because God himself, in whose image we are created, God himself, or the Godhead, is an eternal relationship. Do we understand that? God himself is not alone. God has never been alone from all eternity. So when we think about friendships, I want you to think about that positive and endearing state of affairs between two human beings. And therefore... You need friendships in your marriages. You need friendships in your parenting with your children. You need friendships in your, with your siblings. You need friendship in your church. You need friendship with your uh, colleagues. You need friendship everywhere. And so this is a really important topic. It's going to be, we'll do it in three parts. And uh, before we get into the first one, I'll ask us to pray. Let's pray. 
Lord, we need you. I know I certainly need you right now. And Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord God Almighty, for the presence of your spirit with us. Lord, I pray that as we were sung, we need light. We need light. We need light, O oh Lord God. And I pray that as your spirit, O oh God, makes the light of your word amplified, let sinners be justified. Let saints be edified. Let Satan be horrified. Let God be magnified. And let Jesus be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there are people in the house. Who did us? You know, I've noticed a trend since I was growing up. Two words. One of them has increased in usage. The other one has reduced in usage. The one that has reduced in usage is the word friend. The one that has increased in usage is the word enemies. We all have enemies. Some would say that should have made, we should have made this series, Do You Have an Enemy? It's an easy answer. Enemies lurking all around. They're the, or haters. You have haters, but they're haters, but they're, they're enemies as well. Sometimes haters are enemies, but haters aren't always enemies. Enemies, enemies, enemies are always haters, but haters are not always enemies. All right, but well, you see, they, we even have a philosophy around enemies. And the church is not exempt, though. In fact, in many ways, the church is the place, you know, that is specialized for manufacturing enemies. Recently, one Christian leader said, you are not a Christian, I'm paraphrasing, if you don't pray against enemies, if you don't pray for your enemies to die. He said, you are not a Christian. In fact, he says, you are in a cult. Welcome all of you to City Church Cult. <laughs> he says that you have to kill your enemies regularly. But he's actually representing a lot of what goes on in Nigeria, really, Essentially, many people say we don't know what it means to be a Nigerian. What it means to be a Nigerian is to have an enemy. It's almost as though we cannot go by being Nigerian Christians without having, making, and sustaining enemies. So as you have seen the, the rise in having enemies, this, what is actually happening is there is a corresponding decrease, a decline in having friends. The concept of actually having friends is a problem. This is why when you go into the story of Jonathan and David, which we'll be looking at for the next three, uh, in, in, uh, for the entire series, you'll notice that some people read this story a little bit uncomfortably. And I want to quickly clear something out of the road. Some people have said that Actually, what was going on between Jonathan and David was <laughs> it's something that, uh, you know, is a little bit, uh, let's just call it what it is. People said that they were in a homosexual relationship. Now, first of all, I do want to say that that is a bit absurd. And it's absurd for two reasons. The first one, uh, it reveals certain things. The first one that it reveals is that we don't really understand how to read again. Like contextual reading. You see, because what's going on with when he says that Jonathan loved David, as Jumokai read for us, you have to understand what's going on in the larger context of the story. The larger context of the story is the deteriorating relationship between David and Saul. You see, in chapter 16, verse 21, it says there, that's before 18, that Saul really liked David. But moving on from there, Saul's like and love for David started to go down. So it's very ironic in this chapter 18 that Saul's people love David while Saul is hating David. What do I mean by Saul's people love David? I, I, in verse, just in this chapter alone, in verse 16, Saul's subjects love David. It says Israel and Judah love David. In verse 20, Michal says about Michal, she was in love with David. Who is Michal? Saul's daughter. And then in verse 22, it says that his attendants all love you. Who are the attendants? Saul's servants. So Saul's 
subjects, Saul's daughter and Saul's servant all love David. Why do you have a problem when he says that Saul's son loves David? You don't interpret all those three to mean erotic and romantic love. How you interpret what the love means is by reading the context of the whole story. But you see, the fact that we interpret it in this way also says, not just about lack of contextual reading, but it says something about our age. Our age, as I said, with the declining friendship means that we only have three categories, essentially, for human relationships. On the one hand here is enemies. On the other hand here is erotic and romantic love. And in the middle is what we call surface friendship. But what David and Jonathan show us is that there are other categories, like what? Deep friendship. And a deep friendship is the friendship that you all need, that we all need. And so today, I want and maybe in the entire series, what we are trying to do is I want to be able to persuade you about the need for deep friendships, but also to enable you to identify deep friendships, equip you to enjoy the fruit of deep friendship, and also help you to sustain your deep friendships. Amen? But ultimately, I also want you to find the deep friendship. That, gives, that is given to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I pray that as we examine the story of David and Jonathan, you will not only be encouraged by this series, but you will be empowered and transformed to fully become who God wants us to be individually and corporately because we find deep friends. Amen? Amen. All right, so today's message, um, which... Will be, given, will be delivered in the normal time. I say normal time because you've, not, you've been having abnormal time in the last couple of weeks. All right, so the friend you need. Choosing deep friends, uh, we'll take it under three headings. Choosing deep friends, describing deep friends, and finding the deepest friend. Choosing deep friends, describing deep friends, and finding the deepest friend. So let's quickly go. Choosing deep friends. If you have deep friends, if any of you has a deep friend or deep friends, if I ask you, how you became different. You say something like this, or how you, are, you remain different, how you became and you remain different. You say something like, you know, it's, in, it's, it's complicated. Why is it complicated? Because of two things. It makes total sense that you are friends, and it makes no sense at all that you are friends. You see, my older sister had a friend, her best friend from secondary school, university, and beyond, one of her best friends, right? If you consider how they started, you'd be like, how are they friends? They met in secondary school. On the first day, they fought. When I say they fought, it came to blows. OK, I wasn't there. I'm not sure it came to blows. But they probably slapped themselves or did something like that. Wow. On the first day. And thereafter, they became friends. So you're like, how is that? It makes no sense whatsoever. And yet, if you look at both of them talk, the way they speak, the feistiness they show, the way they argue, you say, ah, this makes total what? Sense. Is complicated. And what this complication reveals to us is that deep, enriching, and destiny-making friends, you have to recognize that you didn't choose them. They were chosen for you and you for them. What do I mean? Let me, let me push this further with David and Jonathan. When it says that David, uh, Jonathan, when it says Jonathan, and David uh, became one in spirit. It is complicated. You know why? It makes total sense, and it makes what? No sense at all. What do I mean by makes total sense? You see, it makes total sense because they shared similar life experiences, significant life experiences. Understand that this is chapter 18 we are reading. Abi, what comes before chapter 18? Come, well, come on, brilliant people. All right, I know we're in a cult, but not everybody in a cult is not brilliant. What comes before 18? Okay, 17. Now, what happens in 17 is David and Goliath. So, David wins a mighty victory against Goliath, the Philistines, and that led to what? The defeat of the Philistine army. But in chapter 14, 
There was also a war between the Philistines and the Israelites, three chapters before David and Goliath. In fact, it was so bad that the people, they were so broke, Israel was so broke, only Saul and Jonathan had Amri. And yet, Jonathan was able to defeat 20 Philistines that eventually led to the conquering of the Philistine army. Do you see? They had similar life experiences. I'll give you another one. They both have family issues. Family issues. Minor family issues. Just minor. David had with his brother. Right? So when David went to visit them before he defeated uh, 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 Goliath, Here's what his brother said. It's a minor thing. So here's what his brother said about him. Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. And when he did, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? I knew how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. In the same, when Saul, when Jonathan was doing his own in the battle against the Philistines, after, in, verse, in chapter 14, when he was talking with his dad, Saul, his dad, says, may God deal with me ever so severely if you do not die, Jonathan. As I said, minor family issues. <laughs> so in other words, when Jonathan saw David, he recognized in David somebody that will understand him because of their shared life experiences. Similar experiences bring people closer together than, very, than many things. Amen? So it makes total sense. And yet, I said it's complicated because it makes no sense at all. Why does it not make any sense at all? Well, first of all, apart from the fact that socioeconomically, they are coming from two different places. David is a shepherd boy, right? And, son, and Jonathan is, what, the son of the king. But apart from that, they ought to have been rivals. They ought to have been rivals. Why? Because if you follow the narrative, in many ways, what is happening and what will happen is that David begins to eclipse Jonathan. Jonathan does something, but David always does it better. You see, Jonathan's victory in chapter 14 was a significant victory, but most of you had never heard of it before. Everybody, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Bogwe, everything, everybody knows about David and what? He eclipsed him with the battle. When people were praising Jonathan for that victory, it was the army. That's not bad. The only army are for you. Right? The army are for you. But if you read verse 5 here, you'll see that the army too were also for David, but not just the army. In verse 6 and 7, it says that the women of the town, they came out and they started singing for David. He eclipsed him. And even though Saul, uh, Jonathan, was the crown prince, he was the crown prince, in chapter 16, it was David, just like Saul, that was anointed by Samuel. So this is how, why when you read verse 4 here, where he says, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, his royal robe, along with his tunic and even his armory, that is his sword and his bow, and his belt. When you hear that, you say this makes absolutely no sense at all. Because what he was doing is he was recognizing David's destiny, not his own, to be king. And in those days, you did not cozy up to your rivals to the throne. You know what you did to them? You eliminated them. It makes no sense at all that these guys are different. So how does it happen? I'll say it again. Deep, enriching, and destiny-making friends, you must recognize that you did not choose them. They were chosen for you and you for them. Let me push it further. I'll say it another way. We need to understand that the initiation of deep friendships is neither intentional nor accidental. It is providential. Let me break it down. It's not intentional. If I have ever achieved anything in this life, in my years in this life, I can tell you this. It's because I'm also a product of deep friendships. I've received help, advice, and support from people I hold so dear, but people who also believe in me. But here's what I can tell you about most of those people. 
at the outset of meeting them, I would never have chosen most of them. Never. Couldn't have. And even the circumstances that brought us together, I could never have orchestrated. Let me tell you about, I may mean, I have some here, but let me talk about people that are not here. Let me tell you about one of them that some of you know. There's a guy called Francis Tribble. Very close, he's one of my deepest friends, Francis. I don't understand how Francis and I are friends. The first time I met Francis, the first time I met Francis, I can't tell you how many times in my mind I said, this guy is a useless guy. <laughs> useless guy. Just behaving one kind. What kind, what, what kind of human being is this? Not too long after, he came for a Bible study I was hosting. He made a contribution. I said, this guy is a useless Christian. <laughs> one year after, we were living together. Two and a half years after, he was my best man. Four years after, he was my first child's godfather. It was not intentional. There are people that are deep friends of yours today that you know when you think about the circumstances that brought you together, when you think about how dissimilar you are, you were like, I didn't intentionally plan this. You know why? You can't intentionally choose deep friends. They are chosen for you and you for them. Neither is it accidental. Some of us know this. When you look at some of these deep friends and when they have shown up for you, what they have saved you from, where, how they have just, they've been there supposedly just at the right time, how they have prayed for you and prayed over you, how they have received dreams and prophecies for you, how they have invested in you just at the right time, you know for certain it was not accidental, it was not incidental, neither was it coincidental. Something else must have been working to bring this person into your life. Some kind of invisible hand was working your circumstances together at this moment, at this time. And if you are thinking like that, you are right. Because you cannot accidentally choose deep friends. They are chosen for you and you for them. Not intentional, not accidental, but it's providential. Let me tell you. When David killed, when, before David killed Saul, uh, uh, Goliath, right? Before David killed Goliath in chapter 17, as I said before, in chapter 16, he had already been anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. Now, he wasn't, he didn't immediately go to the throne. What he then knew was that from that point onwards, between now and then, God had destined him for the throne. God was going to work for him to be on the throne. Amen? Amen. But the question, the problem was that he had obstacles. And for most people, we'll say this. The biggest obstacle to David being on the throne was Goliath. Do you know how big he was? Do you know how mighty he was? Do you know how tall he was? But the truth is that Goliath was not the biggest obstacle to David on the throne. You know why? The biggest obstacles that we face in life don't go very quickly. One chapter was dedicated to David and Goliath. Whereas David's greatest opposition to the throne, 14 chapters were written before that opposition was taken away. The greatest opposition David had to the throne was Saul and not Goliath. And what little wonder that the one person that was needed for David to come against that opposition was going to be Saul's own son. That could not be human beings. That was God working providentially. Oh, I pray that God will enable you to see the people that he has providentially brought to you. The friends that are there to alter your destiny. May God open your eyes to see them. We need the providential hand of God to always show us that we didn't choose those friends. They were chosen for us and us for them. That takes me to my second point. Because you say, well, okay. Shabi, it's not me to choose them. <laughs> so what do I do? If they are chosen for you, then what you do is to recognize them, is to identify them and recognize them. If you're asking the question, what are they like? How can I know them in my life? Well, this leads me to speaking about three different types 
of friends. We need to understand three different types of friends that we need in our lives. I'm um, saying this based on, um, 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 what's his name? T.D. Jakes, right? Uh, said something like this, so I'm modifying uh, uh, this. So you have three types of friends. Friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for all seasons. Friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for all seasons. Let's start with the first one. Friends for a reason. Who are they? These are friends who are against what you are against. They are your friends because they are against what you are what? Against. Ever heard the saying? The enemy of my enemy? You are. That is, these are people who you are brought together by a common hatred. Let me tell you something. If you hate Manchester United, you are my friend. Do you understand? It's not even, I don't even, you can be from Ilori, you can be from, you will be my friend. Because the enemy of my enemy is what? My friend. You, have, you are passionate against a cause together, so you lock arms until you see that it's been defeated. Or maybe just to even just gist about how you don't like the thing. But problems arise when you make this person in your mind who they were never meant to be. You start to get disappointed because even though you were both against that thing, you then realize that the thing you are for, they are against. Some other things you are for, they are against. And some other things that you are against, they are for. Say what? You believe that? What? You like that person? You see, you can both be against corruption, but you are not both for empowerment. You can both be against bad theology and bad doctrine, but that doesn't mean you are both for deep revivalistic prayer. Saul and David were both against the Philistines, but Saul and David were not for David becoming the king of Israel. Do we understand that? What it gets worse when you get disappointed that when you are My son, yesterday, I was, uh, I don't even know whether he said something about my health or something like that. So I decided to explain the thing about my health to him. As I was trying to explain, the boy started talking about something else. <laughs> my wife just looked at me and said, he's not interested. I said, I know. <laughs> you get disappointed when some of these friends that you are against the same thing, you start talking about your problems, they say, I'll call you back. They don't want to hear. They're not really for you. And can I tell you, stop being disappointed by people who are never meant to be your deep friend. And whose deep friend you were never meant to be. They were friends for a reason. And when that reason expires, what happens? They move. Be okay with it. Because friends for a reason are meant to be in your life for a short period of time. Thank God for them. Thank God for the reason that they were there. Now let's move on. Amen? But you also need friends for a season. Who are friends for a season? They are those friends who are for what you are for. Do you understand that? They are for what you are for. Even when they're against what you are against, they are demonstrating being against what they are against because they are for what you are for. You are not just passionate against the same thing. You are passionate for the same thing. The first, the other one, you were, the, what brought you together was something destructive. This one, what brings you together is something constructive. So let's say you have a passion for a particular business. And you have spoken somewhere, you have said the vision, and some people are like, ah, I like what she's talking about. And so you decide to join the business. First employee. Or let's say you plant a church. Right? And you cast the vision and you want to plant a church and then some people join. And some of them become the first employee. <laughs> but then, after they work with you for some time, <laughs> and they come and meet you and they say they want to go, you start being disappointed. Why? The person wasn't for you. The person was for what you are. Four, and they leave. Let me tell you why people leave. Because at some point, day to day, leave. 
somebody somebody was catching the you know, so, somebody happened to be my first employee and he's here, and he has left. So, all right, let's take it back. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But actually, no, let's take it back because I know that's not the case. But sometimes these people, uh, friends for a season, eventually move, and then you get disappointed, you get crushed. But why were you disappointed? You misunderstood. You see, it's the reason why people leave jobs. Why is it that they leave? Three things is one. They either, they either leave because they are more passionate about something else than what you both were for. Or they find somebody that is better at the same thing that you are for. Or they find somebody they align with more on this thing that you are for. It's no problem. Let me help some of us. Let's talk about relationships. I found out that relationships, I'm talking about people who date, they're increasingly becoming shorter and shorter. Why? I'll give you an example. So, guy and girl are dating, and everything is going well. They really like each other. They go out regularly, they chat three hours every night, 12 to 3 a.m., <laughs> and they will now be sleepy in, in, the, in the office, and they'll be wondering why. But let's leave that. Then, one of them says, guy says, he wants to relocate. Girl isn't happy. Why? Ah, the guy said, I want to relocate or chase my dreams. Canada or, or I don't know, Australia. I think they're saying Australia is not coming up now. All right? So you're like, ah, but, but, but we're meant to be together. Like, ah, no, I have to go. Ah, can't we still be together? Well, no. So eventually the relationship now breaks down. And then the other one that is left here is now mad. Can I tell you, please, if that is you, don't be sad, but don't be mad. Let me help you. You see, what you mistook, you on, now, with that person leaving, right, this is what it's revealing. Very, very simple. The person was more for the good relationship than they were for you. You thought that they were into you, whereas they were more into what you both had than they were into you. Do we understand that? The enjoyment of relationship for them was more important than actually you. And so, when something that were, they were more passionate about came, they were more passionate about living abroad than they were about the good relationship. And so what happened? They move. Don't be angry. Don't be mad. You can be sad for a reason, but God has just helped you. Why? Because that person was a friend for what? A season. That season has come to an end. It's time to move. Thank God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Thank God for friends for a reason. Thank God for friends for a season. They, you need them in your life. When things move on, don't get angry. But we also need friends for all seasons. This is what deep relationship is what you have. Who are these friends? The first one, they were against what you were what? Against. The second one, they were for what you are what? For. This one, you know what? They are for you. They are what? For you. They may not always be what you are against. They may not always be for what you are for. But their burning passion is what? You. So how do I then identify these kinds of people? Well, three things. Depth, love, and covenant, as we see with David and Jonathan. Notice what he says. He says that Jonathan became in one spirit with David. He became in one spirit with David. Let's look at depth first. When he says one spirit, one spirit with David, ah, man, that signifies what? Depth. The language that is used there is also used for, um, in Genesis 44 verse 30, between um, um, Jacob and Benjamin. Listen to what he says. He says, so now the boy is, with, is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father. And if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, is the same Hebrew word that is used there when he said that they were one in spirit. Notice it was used there in familiar language, that is father and son. In other words, Saul recognized David to not just be 
a friend as somebody that I didn't, uh, uh, somebody that I didn't know. But he recognized him to be like part of his family. That's why Proverbs 18 verse 24 says that one who has unreliable friends will soon come into ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than what a brother. They were what one in spirit. We like to say that uh, 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 blood is thicker than water. I agree, but spirit is deeper than blood. There was a deep spiritual-like connection between both of them. Jonathan was for David as he was for himself. When you have this kind of friend, when that friend is in pain, do you know what you feel? You feel pain. I'm not saying when somebody has had a tragedy, you know, and say, ah, so, yeah, this person has COVID. You say what? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, is, ah, that's bad. When you really like the person, you send them a text. When the person is your deep friend, you literally cannot sleep. Please don't force this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't feel guilty because you don't feel like that for every single person. You cannot have so many deep friends. You feel deep. If you want to know somebody who is your deep friend, look at how they uh, react when you share good news. Just share the good news then just sort of wait for like two, three seconds. People who are friends for a reason are friends for a season. Like, <laughs> they'll smile. So they'll be like, ah, fantastic. Well done. Great. Uh -huh. So uh, that's other thing we were saying. The deep friend there, eh, when you share that news, the next thing you need to do is hold your ground and make sure that your leg is firmly rooted to the ground. Why? Because they are coming for you. The hug and the way they will jump on you, you will fall down. They feel the joy even much more than you feel it. Do you understand what I mean? Because you are one in what? Spirit. May God give us such friends. Amen. The second thing is that he says that three times in, in the text we put together, he loved him as himself. He loved him as himself. He loved him as himself. Ah! Now that is reminiscent of one of the great commandments, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But notice that that love your neighbor as yourself is what? Is a commandment. Why is it given as a commandment? Because we always fall short of it. So God is saying to your neighbor, right? To your neighbor, right? Whether your spiritual neighbor, you're in your same church, or outside of that, you cannot, you don't have a choice. You must love them. Oh, no man, no death, except what? The depth of love. We must love our what? Neighbor. It's a love. It's must. But it's given to us as a commandment because we, don't, we always fall short of it, isn't it? And because we always fall short of it, we fall short of it very simply because there are many people we love, but we don't like them. I, I, do I agree? Yes. The commandment is to love, it's not to like. Because a lot of them are not likable. God says everybody is lovable in the sense that you must love them because he has loved you. But not everybody is likable. Hands up if there are some people that you love but you don't like. Hands forward if I'm one of those people. <laughs> you see, you see, Do you understand? And it's okay. But let me tell you something about these kinds of people. Not only do you love them, you would like them. In chapter 19, verse 1, do you know what it says about Jonathan and David? Jonathan, it says, but Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. He not only loved David as himself, he did what? He liked David. He loved him and what? He liked him. You, are, you see, these kinds of people, you enjoy spending time with them. It's not a chore. Once you start marking, ah, I've not seen this person in a long time. I've not called, okay, schedule that I have to call this person. And call him. These other ones, you see, three people, four people will be calling you. You won't pick the phone. Because you put them in, all right, phone time. Let return call. <laughs> this other person just calls you. Immediately you pick the phone. Do you understand? Why? Because you don't just love the person. You don't just feel an obligation to the person because God said so. You enjoy being with the person. You are in this friendship not because of what you can get, but because of who they are. You are when you are spending time with this person, because it is not forced, it is, ex, it is liberating. Oh, may God give us such friends. Amen. 
They're enriching our lives. And then the third thing, if you notice in verse 3, it says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. The love led to what? A covenant. In chapter 20, it says that they made a covenant with the house of David, and then it says David reaffirmed his oath out of love. Hmm. What is this saying? Whether implicitly or explicitly, there is a shared understanding of a binding that makes this friendship extend beyond one season. There is a shared understanding of a binding that makes this friendship extend beyond a season. And it is rooted in the deep love that you have for that person. There is a sense in which you feel a debt to always be loyal to this person. Explicitly, for instance, I have one friend that I explicitly made a covenant with over 10 years ago. I married her. Do you understand? I married her. So that means that based on that explicit covenant, I am loyal to her beyond just one season. Now, but for some of us, when it's not explicit, right, how do you feel? There are certain people that when, no matter where they are in the world, and this one is not about the amount of time. You see, a lot of immaturity comes into, you know how some people will be like, eh, I hope you call me, I hope you call me, you didn't call me. Deep friends, even if it's twice in a whole year, there's a way you guys reconnect again. That You know, it's just like you talk about the most important things. You just get there. Once you find each other, you just lock in. But you feel a sense of responsibility, a sense of loyalty to this person that extends beyond one season. You feel, he said, David, uh, Jonathan made a covenant with not just David, but after the house of David. You feel a sense of loyalty, not just to the person, but to the person's family, to the person's ch children. How many of you have different where you know every family member? You attended the wedding of not just that person, but the person and the person's sister, this person's brother. They know you as, as though you are part of the family. Do you understand what I mean? The person had a great fall. Everybody left them. Friends for a reason. Friends for a season. But you, you had to be there. There is a sense of a binding that comes. Almost as though there is a covenant or an oath. Implicit or what? Explicit. It is rooted in the love that you have for that person. May God make you that kind of friend. And may God give you such kinds of friendship. Listen to me. You will never reach where God wants you to reach. If you don't have these kinds of friends. Friends for all seasons. We can have the reasons, we can have the season, but these ones are not just for one season. They are for all seasons. It extends beyond just this time. That is the friend we need. But that takes me to my final point. Find the deepest friend. There are two of us, two kinds of people here that will be, as you are listening to me now, this is very discouraging. Do you know why? Because some of us are saying, Femi, I've tried. But nobody wants to be my deep friend like that. I've yearned. I've yearned for it. I've tried. In fact, I've anticipated. There are some people I tried. I, I thought this, the way it was going, I thought it would be like this. And all of a sudden, the person doesn't return my calls again. I talked about this problem, but all of a sudden, the person actually didn't care. They didn't, they didn't follow up. And because that's happened a few times, I don't want to do it again. I feel the quest for this thing is futile. Don't give up. I'm here to tell you what. Don't give up because you can still find that friend. You can still find that friend that will never neglect you. Amen? But some of us are saying, I had it. We went. This thing felt like it was a covenant. This thing felt like it was an oath until the person betrayed me until the person turned against me. And because of this, I have sworn that I will never do it again. So when I meet people that possibly there could be something, just as it's getting close, I withdraw. The quest for finding this deep friendship is absolutely futile. I have given up. And I want to tell you, don't give up. Even if you've been betrayed. Why? Because I believe you can have that deep friend that will never betray you. The deepest of all friends. 
And you're like, really? This is all fanciful stuff. You don't understand. Even Dilly, my very close friend, someone who I trusted, who bunked with me for five years, turned against me. You don't understand. Somebody else is saying, even Eloha, my very close friend, someone I trusted, who I was chief bridesmaid for, she turned against me. You don't understand. Another person will say, even Etim, Etim, my very close friend, someone I trusted, who I discipled in university, he turned against me. Notice that in all those descriptions, it's not just the turning against you that matters. It's not just the turning against the person. The accent is on the description of that person. Someone I bumped with for five years. Somebody who I was cheap bridesmaid for. Somebody who I discipled. Fill in the blanks. That is why betrayal hurts. And you are saying, by telling me this story, you are only making my misery worse because David and Jonathan could never have understood what that meant. They cannot relate with my situation. And I want to say, still, don't give up. I hear you. But you are also wrong that David never had that situation. Because listen to what David says in Psalm 41 verse 9. Does this sound familiar? Even my close friend, someone I trusted, who shared my bread has turned against me. Yes, he may have had a friend, but the Bible is saying here that in David's experience, God understands what you are going through because he himself has gone through that. There is still hope for you. Why? And you say, well, okay, David can understand, but David is dead, isn't he? Where can I find this depressed friend you are talking about? Well, I have good news for you. David had a son. And that son had a son. And that son had another son. And that son had another son. And one day that son rose up. God incarnate himself and he said this. You cannot choose me. You did not choose me. But what? I chose you. Because this son, you cannot choose... Either intentionally or accidentally, it has to be providentially orchestrated by God. Jesus said, you did not choose him, but what? He chose you. Why did he choose you? He said, I want to have a deep friendship with you. In fact, I want to have the deepest friendship with you. You say, show me the proof of that. He said, I'll make a covenant with you. And you're like, how deep is this covenant? Well, it is going to cost me my life. I will pour out my blood for this covenant. And then you say, well, okay, but how does that prove that he's, he's, he's not for what he's, I'm against? Listen, Jesus did not pour out his covenant against your enemies. So stop pleading the blood of Jesus against your enemies. Jesus did not pour out his covenant for what you are for. So stop soaking your ambitions and your properties and your investment in the blood of Jesus. When he says that this is the covenant, this is the new covenant, my blood, he says this, because the blood was what? Poured out for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. This is the deepest friendship you can have. Why? Because he is not just what against what you are against. He is not just for what you are for. He is what? For you. But it goes deeper than that. Because Jesus is not just a friend for all seasons. He poured out his blood for you. Say yes. He died for you. Yes. But you say he's no longer there. No, he rose from the dead to prove to you that even if you have a friend for all seasons, listen, those friends will at some point disappoint you. And even if they don't disappoint you, eventually one of them or you is going to die before the other one. But Jesus, who lives forevermore, is not a friend for all seasons. He's a friend for what? Eternal seasons. Because he rose again from the dead. Oh boy, it gets better. It gets better. There's one more. You see, because you say, well, I can find some other... Okay, he saves. He does all of those things. But he's aloof. He cannot be felt with the feeling of my infirmities. He doesn't know what it is to be betrayed. But you did not read the verse after that. When he says that he poured out his blood for you, what was the next verse? 
How do you think he poured out his blood for you? What was the circumstance that led to that? He said, the one who is going to betray me, his hand is also on the table. Oh, I can tell you, there is not a friend like the Lord Jesus. There is not a deeper friend than he. He knows what you are going through, but he will not disappoint you. He's poured out his life for you. He is for you. He is for you. And if you are someone here who already knows Jesus, and you say, then I don't need any other friend, listen to me. There are some of you who are investment bankers here, but all of us want to make an investment. And we always sometimes think, this is too risky. I can't invest in this. Let me tell you a secret which we all know. It is easier to make an investment, a risky investment, when your essentials are secured. In other words, if you have bought your house, you've built your house, and you've put all your children's school fees in a trust fund, it's easier to invest in the stock market. It's easier to invest in the hedge fund. Do you understand? When you are secured in what is essential, you are enabled to pursue what is important. When you have the, different, the deepest friendship secured, you are enabled to pursue other deep friendships. Because Jesus has secured his relationship for you. He's sealed in his blood. He's risen again. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can have the confidence to pursue other friendships. The friendships that Jesus has himself orchestrated for you. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.